finally passed my preaching physical. The pastor wasn't going to let me back up here until I quit having heart attacks because he didn't know if I'd just drop dead up here. Although I could have dropped dead happy, he didn't want to see it happen to me. For some reason, they wanted me around, and I haven't figured it out yet, but I guess I will one day. But God has been good. I thank the church for all their prayers this last year. I've actually made it now for six and a half months without having a heart attack, so I feel like I'm doing good. Amen. They had to shock me enough times in 2021 that I could have lit up a light bulb. But we made it through it with God's hand on us, and God has taken care of us. But he's brought us to another day to go forward. He's not brought us to a place to look backwards. He's brought us to a place to go forward. He said, my word is a lamp unto your feet, and I'll lead you unto my path. It doesn't say my word is a lamp unto my heels. It says unto my feet, so I can look down and see where I'm stepping, and I can look further to see where I'm headed. Because thy word will guide me, and it will give me direction. Amen. You know, the foundation that we lay sets the perimeters and sets the guide to how high we can build, how big a footprint we can build. The width and the depth, depth of it determines the width and the depth that we can build upon it. And Paul wrote in Ephesians, and he said, "In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. God wants us to get the foundation that we have no limitations on our growth, both physically in the church but more spiritually. Because we are facing a day and age where things are just going upside down very rapidly. But we are in this day and age because God has put us here for such a time as this. And it's not because we're going to be defeated. It's because we're going to take victory, but we've got to ground ourselves and make sure, okay, I'm getting things right because I'm ready for the fight. I can grow beyond what they want me to grow. I can jump over a wall, and it's not going to stop me. I can climb over any obstacle because I know the King of kings and Lord of lords. And so our foundation is what guides us. Our foundation is what stabilizes us. Hosea 4 said it like this, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. They're not destroyed because they're weak, but they're destroyed because they won't take the knowledge of them on, but gives them the strength. There's a difference in hearing something and, and understanding what you just heard. Anybody who's married as a man understands that. Our wives say something to us, but what they just said is different than what we think they just said. And we will find that out in short order. And if you've been married long, you've been there. It takes a while to understand. And just as in church, it takes a while in serving God to understand some things and have the strength to overcome when you understand 
For when you understand and you know what you are fighting, you can win the battle. But if you don't know what you are fighting, you can't win the battle. That's the greatest thing I found out in spiritual warfare was as soon as I can identify the spirit, I can beat the spirit. I can tell the spirit back off, get on out of here, and it has to listen to me. But until I can identify that spirit, it just messes around you. Amen. I'm just going to read one little portion of scripture here. I was going to let you sit down in a minute. Sorry. <laughs> but I was waiting until I got to this one point, but it's okay. I understand. That's why I always say in the new auditorium, I hope we don't have a slanted floor. I don't need no help getting down to the altar. Just keep it flat. In the 14th chapter of John, if you'd turn there with me tonight, we're going to start on verse number one. I've got to put these on so I can see something. But it says, let not your hearts be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, in the way ye know. Then Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Then Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, I have, have I been so long with you, and yet you have not known me? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but of the Father that dwelleth in me, and he doeth the works. Believe me that I am the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for thy work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I shall do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whosoever shall ask in my name what I will do, my Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. The verses I just read to you are a thorough promise to you when you have understanding of who God is. And I'm going to talk to you a little while on this subject, an insufficient revelation. An insufficient revelation. I was born in Pentecost. I was raised in a one God apostolic church. I've been around it my whole life. I've never understood how anybody could believe anything else. Because I was taught it, I understood it at a young age. And we have the greatest revelation that I believe is known to man, that Jesus is God Almighty. That Jesus gave his life and shed his blood for our sin and made a way that we can be saved. And he conquered death, hell, and the grave when he went down and rose again on the third day. I'm glad there was a preacher that preached me out of sin. 
and it was my daddy. He did a few other things to help me get out of sin too, but we won't talk about that. But he helped me along. And I'm glad that he believed the truth and he taught the truth, and I learned that truth. But there is more to the revelation of who God is than just understanding Jesus is God. There's another part of that revelation. That's what uh, Philip was saying here. He said, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. In other words, we'll be happy just knowing who the Father is. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you, you don't know me? And many times we come to church and we know who the Father is. We know who God is. But we haven't stepped in the fullness of the promise that he's given us. He said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am you may be also. He's not talking about heaven there. He's talking about in my Father's house are many mansions. If you look that up in the original, it says in my Father's house are many dwelling places. He said, I'm going to prepare a place that you can go dwell, that you can be with me, that you can walk with me, that you can talk with me, that you can feel my presence, that you can walk within my spirit day by day. I'm making a place for you. I'm going there first that you can enter in there easier. I'm going to make a pathway for you to follow. In Matthew chapter number 16, in verse 13, Jesus said, Who do men say that I am? They were on the coast of Caesarea Philippi. He said, who do men say that I am? And if I ask you here today, who do you say Jesus is? I'd get the answers. He's, a, he's God Almighty. He's the Son of God. He's a rose of Sharon. He'd go on and on and on. But if I ask you, who do you say God is? According to your life, according to the way you walk with God, according to the power of God that you let move through your veins and through your being, who do you say God is? When the girls were young, I made up my mind that they must see the power of God and the miracle of God work. Just because I had seen it wasn't going to do them a bit of good. They had to see it for themselves. They had to experience it for themselves. So I tried to make sure that they were at every youth event, everything there was in the state of California, that they could be tied in to the church. And they got to see those miracles. And they got to see the hand of God and the work of God. And they got to feel the power of God. And they also got taught very well how to walk with God and what it takes to be obedient, to be humble, and walk in the Spirit and have the power of God in your life. But when Jesus asked them that, they give them a lot of different answers. Then all at once Peter speaks up. Now, throughout the Bible, you'll find out Peter's always talking first. Kind of like some of us. Our mouths get going before our brain kicks in gear. And he said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Did Peter really know what he just said? If he would have, I do not believe that he would have been the one told that you're going to deny me thrice when the cock crows. But he had understanding, but he did not have revelation. And we get understanding too many times, and we need to walk into revelation. And I'm telling you this tonight because it's time for this church to step into true revelation, not of only who God is, but who you are. 
and what you have and what God has given you and how you get there. Jesus went on to tell Peter, he said, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. When you look that up in the original, it says this. It says the very council of hell, the best they have, the best they can get together with, the best they can throw at you cannot knock down the church. The church will prevail through it. The church will go through it. So when we start looking at this day and age and begin to think, hey, it's getting bad, you can stop and realize it may be getting bad, but we got a God who's better. When I was younger, I got in a tussle with a man. I had did something he didn't like, and he reached out to slap me, and I ducked it, and I laid into him with everything I had. And I weighed about 210 pounds at that time in my life. And he grabbed me by both shoulders, and he picked me straight up in the air. He was about six foot three. And I just looked at him, and I said, I'm in trouble. I had just hit him with everything I had. So I poked him in the chest, and I said, you put me down. And he, he looked at me, and I started laughing. And I said, come on, I'll buy you a Coke. Let's end this mess. That was better than what was about to happen to me, believe you me. But sometimes we haul off and we hit something, and it just ignores we're even there. That's happened to the disciples when they come to Jesus and say, hey, we tried to cast this devil out. We can't get him out. And Jesus cast him right out and comes back and said, what would you do different? He said, this kind cometh not out but prayer and fasting. This kind doesn't come out until you've humbled yourself and you took dominion over your flesh. And you're beginning to walk in the spirit day by day and you're beginning to obey the spirit. No, you can hear the spirit speak to you. And if you don't obey the spirit... It's not long till it quits talking to you. Because I wanted to say something one time to someone. Here's what I wanted to tell them. They come, they kept asking me the same question. I said, did you do what I told you to do the first time? And when we won't obey the first time, why does he want need to keep telling us over and over and over? Until we find a place of obedience that we will obey. And a lot of times it takes obedience without thought, I'll be honest. He says, speak it, you speak it. How do you think Isaiah felt when he began to write, and a virgin shall bring forth a son? Thou shalt call his name Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. How do you think he felt when he began to write that? It didn't make sense, did it? And there's some things we're going to start facing in this day and age that we've got to take ourselves to the prayer room. We've got to put the meal aside. We've got to bring this flesh under submission and into obedience to say, I will obey regardless if I understand or don't understand. I've got a brother in Wisconsin right now who's basically slowly dying. I prayed for him and prayed for him. And all God gave me was a dream of him dying. That's all I got to see. So I know that he's not going to be long with us. But that's going to be the will of God. I don't understand why God won't heal him. He serves God. He preaches. I don't understand why God don't want to heal him. But I know somehow it is the will of God. 
And when God does something, he does all things well. So we need to stop ourselves from looking around at the pity party and wondering why in the world he's not doing what we want and get ourselves into a place we say, God, let your will be done. Not mine, but let your will be done in my life. God throughout the Bible tried to tell us who he was and tried to show us different ways of who he was. If you start back in the Bible and you go look and you look, in Matthew, he's the father, and it goes on and on and on. You can go on through 26, 28 different titles that he called himself. He was a shepherd. He was the light. He was the way, the truth, and life, as we just read. It goes on because he wanted us to know him. But then when he came down and he was born of a virgin, he said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. Now we can call on the name of the Lord. But we are one God, apostolics. We believe Acts 2.38 is the message of the plan of salvation. When we obey that, we repent in his name and are baptized in his name, I should say. We repent of our sins and are baptized in his name. We, are filled with, we will be filled with the Holy Ghost. It is a promise. That is not a might. That is not an if. That is not a could be. That is why when you see somebody who's really repented good and they go down in the water in Jesus' name, a lot of times the water will start bubbling before they can get up out of the water because they're speaking in tongues as they go down. And I enjoy seeing that. It never gets old. But we've got to understand more about who we are. When you are in a battle with someone and you know they know how to fight, it takes a lot of worry off your shoulders. When you look at the book of Revelation and you see Jesus on a great white horse and on his thigh is wrote, King of Kings. The Bible said he's wearing a vesture dipped in blood. What that signifies is this. It signifies that he is the great conquering general who has never lost a battle, and he never will. So you and I can stop worrying and start putting our faith and trust and say, you know what, God, I will follow you. I will, su I will submit myself unto you. I'm going to find a place to pray. I'm going to find a way to tap into your presence and get into the dwelling places you have for me. He's made us dwelling places. He's went there and prepared them for us that we could enter into them. He said, well, if you'll go in there, greater things will you do than I'm doing, and greater things shall you do. You look at the end of the, I think it's Acts where it says, and there was many other things that I could not write in this book. Acts continues on, and there is many other things that you can't write in this book. There's an old song that says this. It says, write it all down every time Jesus fails you. Just write every time he's ever let you down. And when your book is all done, you're going to have just empty pages with nothing to read. Because he doesn't fail. But we've come to a point in time when unless we will realize we are a royal priesthood, we are the sons of God. We were sinners saved by grace. That's what we were before we were saved and we went down the name of Jesus and our sins were washed away. 
But when we came up all that water, we were a new creature in Christ Jesus. We are sons of God now. We are not sinners any longer. So we put sin aside. We no longer partake of it. And we begin to walk with God and walk in the presence of God. And to do that, we have to find a place to pray. To do that, we have to push ourselves away from the table and bring our flesh under submission. When your flesh is under submission all at once, your ears open up and your spirit becomes sensitive to the power and the presence and the voice of God. And then you can begin to follow after God. I knew a young man, he wanted the power of God in his life so bad that he went in and shut himself into a room where he was he could go to the restroom, and for 15 days, he stayed there and prayed and fasted. When he come out of that room, it was camp meeting time. He went to camp meeting. He was standing there worshiping God in camp meeting. There was a lady in the middle of the aisle, and she was in a wheelchair. And all at once, he said, God told him, go take her by the hand and tell her to run with you. He went and he took her by the hand, and he said, come on, let's run. And she said, I can't walk. He said, you can now. Let's run. She come up out of that wheelchair and they begin to run around the camp meeting. That's what happens when you put yourself aside and say, I am going to tap into the presence of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But we also have to do that to get the fear out of ourselves. I was preaching revival in the church and the pastor said, I want you to come pray for this man with me. And I went back and I prayed for him with him. And then I walked back to the pulpit. God said, I want you to tell that man I just healed him. I said, oh, this is great. You don't even know what's wrong with somebody. And God wants you to tell him he just healed him. So I just walked up and said, well, God told me to tell you he just healed you. The old, everybody in the congregation gasped. The man had just been given three weeks to live from cancer. So that was on Sunday night. I got in my truck and I went home the next day. Three days later, my phone rang and it was my mother. And she said, did you hear about Dave? I said, oh, boy. I said, no. She said, he woke up Monday morning. He looked at his wife and he said, I'm starving, Joanne. Feed me. He hadn't been able to eat nothing for months. He'd lost hundreds of pounds. And all at once, he went to, that same week, he went to the doctor, and they said, we don't know what's going on. There is no sign of cancer in your body any longer. God heals, and when we will follow after him, and we will step boldly and walk boldly with him, things happen. But he requires us to be his vessel and let it flow through us. You know, the Bible talks about the lady's husband was one of the sons of the prophet, and he died, and they had debt. And so she went to Elijah, and she says, what am I going to do? My husband died. They want to take my sons as bond servants to pay this debt. And Elisha looks at the woman. He said, what do you have in your house that will help for a miracle? Let me ask the church tonight, what do you have in your house to felicitate a miracle in your life? Or what do you have in your house that will stop a miracle in your life? It's time for us to align and say, God, I want the miraculous, and I don't care what it's going to take. I don't care what i got to let go of. I don't care what i got to take a hold of. I want the miraculous. I want to see your power move. I want to see things happening. 
There's people that are coming and going that need to just come in and get their deliverance the first time they step through the door. You know, it only takes God seconds to do things. It takes us a long time to get ourselves into a place where we will let him do things. That same man, for four months, he had no cancer in his body because they checked him every month. On the fifth month, he got depressed about something happening to his family. He picked back up his cigarettes and began to smoke, and he was dead three weeks later with cancer. You don't go back on what God has delivered you from. When God looked at his disciples and he said, will you leave me also? They looked at him and said, Lord, will we go? Where will we go? Only you have the keys to eternal life. When the Israelites came out of Egypt, they came to a place called Moriah, which is bitter water. God took them there for a reason. Not to show that he could sweeten the water. He took them there because that was brackish water. And brackish water is full of calcium and magnesium mixed. If you drink it, you will get acute dysentery. God wanted to flush all the sin and the taste of Egypt out of them. And when we go down the water in Jesus' name, God wants to flush all the sin out of us. And we can put it behind us. So when we come out of that water, we don't have a taste for it any longer. But unless we will put it down, we will allow the taste to come back up. You ever been sitting there and all once you said, man, I'd like a piece of pizza. Because a little pizza fat cell just got released into your bloodstream and now you've got a taste for pizza. Well, if we don't get the sin out of our life, all at once we'll get a taste for something we shouldn't be messing with. And we have to walk above it if we are to accomplish what God wants for this church and this generation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. And that includes the battle against the enemy. He's changing some strategies, or strategies, I should say. He's changing how he's attacking. And now he just gets you just like he did in the book of Genesis, the question whether or not the word of God is really meaning what it says. It seems like that is the biggest thing the church must overcome in this day and age to realize the word of God is still the word of God. The word of God still stands as it did 40 years ago. It has not changed We come together time after time, and we worship, and the presence of God falls, and we feel the unction of the Holy Ghost as it moves through the house. And you can tell there's been some people that have spent time on their knees. You can tell there's been some people that have put their flesh down and pushed themselves away from a table. And said, I want to hear you, God. I want to have your power to move in my life. But God is calling for not just a few. He is calling for many. 
to stop and realize who you are. If I'm a son of God, I get the benefits of God. I guarantee you when Brother Jim and Sister Teresa pass away, they're not going to leave me everything they have, even though I'm his friend. He's not going to say, I'm going to give it all to Arthur. And you look at the two boys, David and James, say, you're not getting it. Arthur's getting it. He's my friend. It's not how it's going to happen. Fact is, if I actually said that I wanted that, they'd look at me and say, you're nuts in the head, son. Because that's not the way it works. But when we are the son of God, he gives us his inheritance. And all at once, we have the power of God. When the king would get, put the insignia ring on his son, he gave his son full power of all the riches, everything. And that is what God gives us through the power of the Holy Ghost. He said, I own the cattle in a thousand hills and the gold and silver thereof. So why are you worrying about tomorrow? I will take care of tomorrow if you will serve me today. When my dad was pastor, and he, my dad was a blacksmith as well as a pastor and a farmer and had nine kids like me a man came there and his dad asked him Merle couldn't you ever live for God and Merle says nope I can't do it I won't stop I can't I'm not going to do everything it takes to live for God I couldn't do it my dad said Merle could you live for God for one week and he said no Told my dad, Freddie, he said, no, Freddie, I couldn't live for God for one week. Dad said, well, Merle, could you live for God for just one day? I said, nope, I couldn't live for God for one day. He said, could you live for God just an hour? He said, nope, I don't think I can live for God for one hour. Dad said, well, Merle, let me ask you this. Could you live for God for just one minute? He said, you know what? Freddie, I think I might be able to live for God for one minute. Dad said, good. Then let's live for God minute by minute. Sometimes we just got to take baby steps. And then the, the light goes out further, as I mentioned in front of us. Our steps get longer. And they get longer, and pretty soon we're traveling on. I like how Job said it. He said, there is a path that the lion's well path not seen, nor the vulture's eye the hinds whelp hath not trodden, nor the vultures I hath seen. There's a path where the enemy cannot follow. First, we got to get ourselves to a place and say, okay, you have no place in me. That's what Jesus told the disciples. He said, Satan hath no place in me. I don't give him any place. That's why Ephesians says, be angry, but sin not. Give no place to the devil. Don't allow him to take a foothold anywhere. Because hell hath enlarged herself, and hell will enlarge itself in you if you allow the devil to have any foothold. That is why it is required of us to humble ourselves and bring ourselves under subjection and submission unto God, that we will follow after God. But the complete revelation comes to us when we realize our true sonship. As I said, I'm a son of God. Because I'm a son of God, if I will obey God, if I will humble myself and put the flesh down, I get the benefits 
that he has promised, which is to walk in his power. He said, I, if you'll ask me, I'll give you the desires of your heart because at that point in time, the full desire of your heart is to please him. And he will help you all he can to please him. But it's a lot easier life and a lot cheaper life to serve God than it is to not serve God. I've learned that the hard way. When we overcome things of the flesh, we have the strength to stand up and say, I can do it. Have you ever overcome something that you had to work hard to do? Where you really had to put a mindset and you had to remind yourself over and over and over and over until you finally done it. You finally got past it. Sister Diana Snyder said something years ago, and she said this. If you don't have a marked time to pray each day, you're probably not going to. And it's time for us as a church to say, okay, it's time for me to pray. It's not just to mark time, but it's a time when I'm going to pray and I'm going to step from this spirit into eternity. And I'm going to get into the presence of God and I'm going to enter in to the throne room of God. And I'm going to be an intercessor in the throne room. The Bible says he's always before the throne making intercession for the saints. Well, how many people do you know that you need to be in the throne room making intercession for? Maybe they did you wrong. You got to get in there and say, God, don't hold it against him. God, forgive him. Don't hold this against him, O oh Lord. And as we begin to forgive each other and forgive those, then our lives and then our spirits are ready for us to move on. Because we're not going to get proud when God uses us. The humility that we must have when God allows us to speak out in the lives is incredible. It's very easy to get proud just because God uses you. And yet you had nothing to do with it whatsoever. God done it. But we have to get to a place as a church to say, I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. Not just sing it, not just clap your hands to it, but your cry every day in your, in your spirit is, I want more of Jesus, more and more and more. And the only way that I can have more of Jesus is if I get the other things out of me and make room for it. And when I get everything out of me and make room for it, then he can come into me. Then he can speak through me. Then his power can do its work through me. The man went and he bought a Rembrandt painting. He brought it home and he put it into his room. If the musicians would come. And he said, hang it on this wall. No, I want you to move it. Hang it on this wall. No, I want you to move it. Hang it on this wall. And they tried to hang that Rembrandt on every wall in that house. And all at once he said, okay, stop. Bring it into this room and take everything else out of here. So they cleaned out the room completely and they took the Rembrandt and they hung it up in the room. And then he said, now we're only going to put back in this room what goes with the Rembrandt. And when you repented of your sins and you were baptized in Jesus' name, you said, get everything else out of this room. 
I'm going to bring Jesus in. And the only thing that I'm going to let in this room from now on is what goes with him. If there's something in there, no. There's too many times that we, we get a feeling that God touches us. There's too many times that we convic get convicted of things that we don't just stop and back up and go to our knees and say, Jesus, forgive me. You ask Brother Jim how he's doing, he'll look at you and say, I'm rejoicing. Because he finds a place every morning to say, Jesus, there's sin in my life, forgive me. Jesus, I want to serve you today. Give me strength. Would you stand to your feet tonight? Let me ask you, do you want to step from where you're at into really knowing Jesus? If I ask you, do you know who our story president is? You'd say, yeah. Now, I mean, I should have said it that way, but that's how I feel toward him. I'm sorry if you don't. But do you really know him? None of us do in this place. But if I ask you, do you know Jesus? You can say, yeah, I felt his presence. But don't you have a desire to say, I really know him. I really know him. I really know him. And in this day and age as a church, God wants us to stop. And he wants us to step in to the true power and enter into them places he has prepared for us to dwell. That we can walk with him. That we can talk with him. That he can speak into our lives. And there is no question about our obedience to him. We are not fighting a battle we cannot win. But we were saved for such a time as this. And if we will just stop, saints, and say, I will go no farther until I know the king is walking with me. Then I'm going to go on. I don't want to go on without his strength. I don't want to go on without his peace. I don't want to go on without knowing that he has it all in his hands. And the only way I can be there is if I will submit myself, if I will take myself to prayer, if I will take myself to a place and fasting and putting aside the flesh and bring it down and kill it. As Paul said, I die daily because I must do that. There are people standing in the sound of my voice right now that what God wants to do in your life is incredible. There are people with, with gifts in this place that if you'll step into it, you will see the miraculous power of God. And all that stands between you and that place with God is yourself. The only thing that can keep me away from God is me. The only thing that can keep you away from God is you. 
is God always meets us at the point of our need. He will always be there by us. So I ask you tonight, what is your desire? How much power and how much anointing do you want to see? How easy do you want your walk with God to be? Because it's very easy to walk with God when you serve Him hard. But it's very hard to walk with God when you serve Him easy. I don't know about you, I'm kind of lazy. I like the easy route. But God has come down and touched this church for such a time as this. I don't understand why sometimes he puts his hand on certain places. And as he does, it's just incredible what begins to happen. But I also know that unless we will step into it, and unless we will tap into it, that it can be a fleeting time, and it doesn't have to be. I've been there before when it was a fleeting time, and it's a very sad time. When people get defeated because they do not want to make the steps toward God. But I believe in my heart, and as I feel this, that there are people here that are hungry, that are saying, God, I want to know you. I want to see your power. I want to see the eyes open. I want to see the dead come back to life. I want to see the ears here. I want to see cancers dried up. I want to see people come out of wheelchairs and begin to walk. Lord, I want to see it. And because I want to see it, I'm going to step into the sonship you really gave me. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to submit myself unto you. I'm going to pray and I'm going to bring this flesh under submission. And I'm going to see the presence of God. You feel that way? Would you come? Come find a place to say, God, here I am. Here I am. Have your way. Have your way, Jesus.